0: Welcome to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief, a monthly recap of the macroeconomic and market environment. Well, greetings and welcome to the Investment Strategy Brief podcast. This is Michael O'Keefe, Stiefel's Chief Investment Officer. And in this episode here in May of 2023, I want to get into the idea that as we look at certain things, uh, among them recession, recession. Uh, in the prospect of recession, really there's quite a range of views that are emerging. So I want to get into, you know, kind of an update on the environment and tease out some of the key uh, situations, key data points, et cetera, that are uh, presenting themselves. But then also we're going to basically uh, sort of reflect on the idea that there's a range of views uh, emerging uh, here in 2023. Now, uh actually one way to sort of anchor that uh, would be to remind ourselves that if we look back to the outlook we developed for 2023. So this takes us back to January. You may recall that we actually described three possible scenarios. Our base case, which we're kind of sticking to, is the idea that the Fed would continue to hike rates for a bit, then they would pause. They would stay where they pause through the balance of the year. Um, that inflation would uh, relatively quickly come under control and, uh, and that we would get sort of a sense of finding balance uh, and uh, things would sort of be, you know, kind of worrisome in the first half and, and as we make our way through mid-year and beyond, we get a sense of finding balance and things will kind of uh, recover from here just in terms of feeling better and, and at least a foundation being built for uh, sort of the next bull market. Um, but we also published, anyway, two other scenarios. One was our bear case. So in this case, inflation remains stubbornly high. The Fed has to keep hiking rates. That throws us into a more uh, severe downturn in the economy and that that uh, causes earnings to deteriorate and for markets to move lower. Um, and then the the bull case um, is uh, something... Uh, sort of in the, a bit of the mirror image of that. Oh, inflation recedes more quickly than people think. Uh, the Fed pauses. Um, maybe the Fed even gets to a point of cutting rates here in 2023 and um, and sort of uh, loosens up uh, monetary policy a little bit. And that would, uh, you know, be a foundation for stronger earnings, uh, you know, a recovering economy, stronger earnings. and And that would certainly be a foundation for positive moves in the stock market. And, and I guess what I would say is when we get across these different topics, inflation, where inflation go, is going, what's up with the Fed, and where's the Fed going, what that might mean for earnings, and, and then ultimately market views, it's really all over the map in terms of different experts that track these things and, and what people are saying. So let's jump into it and start. And again, we're going to anchor a little bit on our base case, but let's get into inflation. Um, you know, when we look back at uh, sort of how inflation... Uh, rose and and then uh, kind of the effort it's taken to get inflation to kind of come under control. At the heart of it is almost like the the traditional equation for inflation, which is if you have limited supply, that's upward pressure on prices. And if you have excess demand, that can be an upward pressure on prices. And the bottom line is when we had the shutdown for the pandemic and then the attempt at reopening we had essentially issues with supply. Supply chains got jammed up, and things uh, were a bit less available, and that meant that uh, people needed to buy those things, would bid up the prices because there was less available. Then you kind of uh, supplement that or magnify that for, uh, really from the excess liquidity. Think both monetary and fiscal support for the reopening meant there was a lot more money uh, in the system, a lot more money in people's pockets, and there was significant demand. So it's it's reasonable to take a, a step back and say, okay, where are we now? So when we look at things like supply chain pressure indices or another data point we pulled this month was uh, backlog of orders, those are two things that really sort of elevated. Back, backlog of orders or pressures in the supply chain uh, kind of in the midst of the reopening, and the kind of the punchline is those kinds of metrics have come back down to basically the level of pre-pandemic. So, in other words, the supply chains are reopened. It's probably why you're not reading a lot about it anymore in the press because it's basically everything's uh, pretty much back to normal. And and so the the bottom line is the supply side of the equation has been uh, resolved. Uh, It is on the demand side where basically there continues to be a little bit of pressure. I would argue in this moment, we'll get into some other information in a second, a little bit more from the consumer, uh, where we've seen retail sales hold up, maybe be a smidge above long-term averages. And that's really fueled by the fact that uh, given the support provided in the reopening of the pandemic, the consumer continues to have essentially excess savings in their pocket. And so, you know, one could kind of, there's lots of, I guess, different ways to measure that. But if you think just in very round numbers, around a trillion dollars in excess savings, that's money in the pocket, available to spend, and the consumer remains reasonably active. So those are forces that are telling us, well, inflation probably is cooling or should be cooling, but maybe not quite yet back to the Fed's 2% target because of that continued demand. Now, when we look at the data, in fact, we are seeing uh, that. We're seeing uh, overall inflation trends go lower. Uh, we've talked before about goods and energy both getting down um, so that they're either low increases in prices or actually price decreases. And some good news on, the, on another front, food basically had been elevated and it's been making its way south, meaning inflation has been cooling when it comes to food. And we finally got to a point where the numbers are coming in uh, to kind of give us some comfort that maybe food's going to get back to or maybe below the Fed's 2% target in terms of uh, price increases each year. Uh, the one area that's been, quote unquote, sticky has been services. And, um, and there's, you can almost think of it as two categories. There's shelter. that's things like rent and what's called owner equivalence rent. We've talked before about it. But basically, that's been elevated. We know real-time data, where rent's going, are actually uh, cooling quite significantly. It just takes time for that uh, real-time data to get into the indices. So people are looking at the shelter component of services and saying, hey, things should actually cool down. But the Fed also looks at what's called uh, services ex-shelter. And the bottom line is... That, that remains a little bit sticky. So, uh, again, that's something that people are watching. In any event, when we look at a variety of data, we're seeing areas of cooling, a little bit of firmness in other areas. And, um, and you know, the bottom line is uh, we, we're waiting to get back to that 2% target. We're not quite there. When we look at producer price in the index, the PPI, we actually are there. Uh, with, but with CPI, you know, kind of the bottom line is probably annualized operating in around a 3 to 3.5-ish three percent range, so there's more room uh, to go. Now, the, the market expectations, really drawn from what are called break-even rates, um, have the view, sort of reflect the view of investors that inflation, in fact, will cool down uh, to a, about the 2% uh, target of, uh, of the Fed in about a year, Um, and so again, everybody's watching that data. Now another sort of driver of inflation, another force, if you will, is the labor market. So uh, interesting data in the sense that we've seen uh, basically a a modest decline in job openings. Um, So there's a couple of metrics, the JOLTS report and another one's called non-farm payrolls where we've seen just a modest decline in the level of open jobs uh, here in 2023, but really more more to go, if you will, in terms of getting us back to sort of the pre-pandemic levels, um, and um, and another uh, related data point: jobless claims, people looking for work, that that number's going up a little bit. Um, so you know we see things like wage growth declining a little bit, um, but. But still, the labor market's pretty tight. Something that the Fed's watching pretty closely. It is a motivator, really, for them. Um, you know, if you think about their dual mandate, price stability is inflation. They've got to do more work. They need to. Then there's the second component is quote unquote maximizing employment uh, in the context of that price stability. And I think that they would say, hey, we we. We have an environment where it's gone too far on the employment front. It's basically, the job market is too strong, and that's driving, uh, helping drive uh, inflation higher. So, as it relates to the Fed, anyway, we did um, have a, uh, a Fed meeting earlier this month, and <clears throat> excuse me, they definitely did what was expected. the, the market was anticipating a quarter point rise they did that so it brought their cumulative hikes to five percent over the last year or so and what that's led to then though is that um or, or another sort of key takeaway from that meeting is they basically started to signal the possibility of a pause and they they throw in phrases and concepts like being data dependent which is hey we're going to adjust policy based on the data, and we're watching the data closely. They've acknowledged that we're seeing a slowdown in the economy. It's what they've expected. They've acknowledged that there's a loosening of the job market. And the bottom line is they've um, essentially indicated that um, that they, they may pause, and they'll never be sort of fully committed to that. But when we look, for example, at the futures on the Fed funds rate. The bottom line is that the market is expecting them to pause, um, and uh, if anything, the market's expecting them to ease, meaning cut rates later in the year. We don't think that that will necessarily happen. Another good example where there's sort of views all over the map. There are some people that are saying, hey, they're not done at all, and they're going to keep going. Um, and others are saying it's going to get bad quickly, and they have to cut rates. We're kind of in between those two things. We think the economy is going to hold up reasonably well. We'll get to that in a little more detail in a second, but that the Fed will sort of stay where they are and watch things uh, kind of unfold. Now, one of the reasons the Fed was uh, more comfortable signaling the possibility of a pause uh, is really for some unfortunate news, which is we've had a few bank failures. You know, So think of it as with high, higher interest rates, that kind of uncovers things that may not have been sort of managed in the most solid way. So there have been a few banks that have failed. Now the U.S. government um, and the authorities have sort of stepped in and supported depositors and all that, but the bottom line is there's a much more significant focus on the banking system. The Fed has come out and described the banking system as sound and resilient. Their financial stability report calls banks uh, well-capitalized. and you know the bottom line is that what people are watching for is okay. Maybe there isn't a systemic, you know, uh, contagion in the banking system, but uh, people are monitoring and watching for additional problems, uh, especially as it relates to regional banks. Now, one of the things that is the is resulting from this anyway is the idea that bank uh, lending standards are going to be tighter, meaning they're going to they're going to lend less, and that is another factor that's sort of tightening the economic environment. And essentially doing the work for the Fed uh in terms of slowing things down, and so that's one of the reasons the Fed was comfortable um, signaling a possibility of a positive because essentially the the banking troubles are creating it, its own forces of a tightening effect on the economy now, on a somewhat related note you know we we're obviously monitoring all kinds of issues and risks one that's popped up is the debt ceiling. So we're a couple weeks away from the sort of, uh, ex-state the, the idea that, Hey, if we don't have a, an increase in the debt ceiling, which would re- require an act of Congress and a signature from the president, you know, the bottom line is that the, the government could end up, uh, not paying, uh, it's, it's, uh, monies due on time. Now, People don't necessarily think that the that the government's actually going to default and maybe not pay interest on treasury bonds or something like that, but they may slow down Social Security checks or other wages or something like that. Um, and so there's a lot going on uh, in Washington around uh, really discussion and debate on exactly what needs to happen to get this done. And we have sort of two basic camps. The uh, Republicans have actually passed a law that um, uh, in, you know, voted on, a, on legislation uh, uh, in the House to basically um, increase the debt ceiling but cut spending. The Democrats have said, we, we want to increase the debt ceiling with, the, they're calling it, a, um, I think, a, a blank bill, meaning no other um, conditions. And, and right now the parties are basically negotiating what we think might happen is the idea that they'll uh, increase the debt ceiling some to kind of get us through um, to later in the year when really the full fiscal budget needs to get done. And so uh, think of it as getting wrapped into the budget negotiations. But uh, anyway, this is something that has had uh, everyone's attention and the markets are a little bit nervous about it. Now all of this adds up to you know the big question, where are we headed from a recession Perspective, And the bottom line is um, we have a view, which we published at the beginning of the year, that we think the economy is slowing down to about a 0% growth rate, um, that it won't go much more negative than that, but it could go a little bit negative. So think of it as potentially a mild recession, uh, but potentially not, potentially a, a, a modest, modest amount of growth. In any event, when we go out to other firms and experts, and some experts even within Stiefel on our institutional side. You know, bottom line, there's, as I said, a wide range of views. So we have uh, organizations like Capital Economics or the big asset manager, BlackRock, uh, that are negative. They're basically of the view that we're going to have a a pretty firm recession. Um, Those in the sort of the moderate category include our own Dr. Lindsay Piegs, our chief economist, uh, and and our uh, chief uh, equity strategist, Barry Bannister, both essentially calling for mild-ish recessions, and then uh, also J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley in that category. Uh, but then finally, in the category where, hey, we're not going to have a recession, includes firms like GavCall as a research firm we track, Goldman Sachs, um, and UBS. Those are firms that we're monitoring that uh, are a little bit more optimistic and, and sort of think of it as they expect things to be happen better than, than consensus. Um, now, I mentioned before the idea that the consumer is a driver of that. So that excess savings is going to have uh, some influence. And interestingly, sentiment overall has has hit some pretty uh, low lows. Um, they've they've uh, bounced off those low lows a little bit. So it's been interesting. So that excess savings mean the cons- means the consumer's been pretty active, but um, uh, they've also been worried, right? And so that can turn more negative. That could slow things down, what we would be called, um, uh, you know, w- one dimension sort of the animal spirits of the situation, how good do people feel. In any event, on the business side, we've seen slowdowns in things like industrial production and factory orders. Um, we've seen essentially a, a slowing of corporate profits and, uh, and that usually precedes a slowdown in CapEx spending. So, and, and then finally, I'll mention that uh, some of the surveys show sentiment is also uh, pretty low. So on the business side of things, which is a minority part of the economy, you know, the bottom line is that things have slowed down in line with what we've talked about, kind of zero-ish growth and, uh, and, and things that are happening that are signaling that businesses are going to uh, slow down a little bit. We've talked before about some key economic indicators like a, a yield curve inversion, meaning shorter rates are higher than y- long, longer rates, or leading economic indicators, just different data that are signaling what might unfold. Both are looking kind of negative. So again, the, the views are really all over the map. I will say this, that we, we do a bunch of data analysis that, to remind ourselves that the stock market tends to trade in advance of economic activity. So think of it as the market peaks before the economy and then the market troughs before the economy. So if we're headed in a negative direction on the economy to wherever it goes, um, one can anticipate the market is viewing that almost in advance as a way to think about it, trying to anticipate what's going to happen. And so chances are probably that the market bottoms out the firms up uh, before the economy actually does. That's what the historical data would tell us, anyway. So we'll see how that unfolds. In any event, we've talked before about the fact that you know earnings. If you think about the economy growing about zero percent, you can kind of think about earnings growing about that amount too. The bottom-up view is for a modest growth for twenty twenty-three of one and a half percent, but the top-down strategies actually uh, the, the consensus are sort of middle of the road view is, a, is actually a decline of about 3.3%. Both of those numbers r- reasonably muted relative to what could happen in a more deep recession. So the equity experts basically are signaling information in line with our outlook, which is things are kind of middle of the road. Now one uh, final point I'll make um, uh, before getting to the concept of, of um, uh, signposts um, is there has been this interesting effect in the stock market where bigger companies have been contributing to the overall success of uh, the market performance especially here in the US so if you look for example at the S&P 500 and um, and this happens to be through um, happens to be last Friday which was May 12th the S&P 500 is up year to date 8.1% uh, I will say the FANG index, New York Stock Exchange FANG index, which is kind of the big tech companies. Um, they're up forty three point one percent year to date. Crazy big number, and and they have a huge weight in the index. So these indices like the S and P five hundred is cap weighted. So the bigger companies take uh, more influence, right? They make they have more influence. If we look at an equal weighted S and P, that's treating every company the same then that equal weighted uh, index is up only 0.7% year to date. So I think an important takeaway is uh, that those bigger tech companies have had a big influence on performance this year. In any event, let me just uh, sort of close out by um, mentioning, as we talked about in our last episode actually, That as it relates to this range of views, okay, we'll see where things go. People are kind of nervous. We're still in the first half of 2023. It's what we talked about in our outlook. And the bottom line is we're watching these signposts So things like the China reopening so that supply chain issue is eased, or a better alignment with the market and Fed expectations, which has kind of happened, a trough in consumer confidence, which I mentioned and then things like shelter costs stabilizing or the labor market easing a little bit. These are all things that we're watching for that would sort of uh, calm things down and, and ultimately have people focused on recovery. And what we would be watching for is incrementally more guidance from companies about future earnings being improving And, um, and so, you know, bottom line, so the kind of, kind of the signposts we're watching for, uh, and as mentioned, we think we'll see them kind of in, kind of as we make our way through the first half of the year and into the third quarter. So thanks so much for listening. I'll remind folks to check out Stiefelinsights.com uh, where we house a lot of this work and we'll look forward to catching you, um, in the next episode. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Stiefel's Investment Strategy Brief. Be sure to subscribe wherever you're listening to automatically receive each month's podcast in your feed.